break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, that's right, and we are here to close out the week on Friday the 15th of 2021, January the 15th, 2021, here on The Punch-Out. Big shout-out, by the way, to everyone who watched The Freedom Side last night on Breakthrough News at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday evenings. Very happy uh, for everyone who joined us. Certainly very thankful to you as well. And here on The Punch-Out today, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday, we've got plenty for you. Uh, The contested election in Uganda, which is coming to a close. We'll probably know something this weekend. More evidence of how a bank bailout is coming. I know I keep saying this, but I'm telling you, prepare yourself. It's coming. And as we promised to you last night... On the Freedom Side, that comes on at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays, we are going to start with a analysis of the stimulus proposal that has come from President-elect Joe Biden. Well, last night, Joe Biden released his economic stimulus plan, or you could call it vaccine slash stimulus plan, whatever you want to say. He uh, gave his speech last night to outline some of what he is planning to address once he gets in office to deal with the pandemic and the economic fallout from the pandemic. Um, the package itself totals up to $1.9 trillion, and as you might expect, covers a range of areas from pandemic relief to helping state and local budgets, as well as raising the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour. And that's actually where I want to start, because within Biden's proposal to lift the minimum wage, he is also proposing to eliminate, eliminate the tip minimum wage and the sub-minimum wage for people with disabilities. This is huge. It's a testament to working class struggle. All around the country, people have struggled very hard to raise minimum wages. Since 2012, the Fight for 15 movement has delivered $68 billion in wage increases. But one major issue that has been seen all around the country has been this issue of the tipped minimum wage, that if you make tips, they can pay you less than the minimum wage. Uh, the other NRA, the National Restaurant Association, for interesting, uh, for instance, has fought, uh, instance, uh, woo, fought, for instance, fought extremely hard against this. Washington, D.C., there's a range of places where they wage these huge campaigns. So the minimum wage went up, but for tip workers, it stayed the same. And for some workers who have disabilities, Disabilities, they are, it's legally allowed for them to be paid sub-minimum wages. This would eliminate that. So to eliminate the tip minimum wage, to eliminate sub-minimum wages for disabled workers, to go to $15 an hour as the base floor for every single person across the country, that has nothing to do with Joe Biden at all. Don't thank him. Don't shake his hand. Don't say, great job, Joe. The only reason this is happening is because tens of thousands of workers and people aligned with them have been fighting and fighting very hard for years. So I just wanted to say that truly hats off to everyone who's been struggling around those issues with the minimum wage to make it this far is a big thing. Now, back to the bill itself. Quite a bit of it is directed towards the pandemic directly. As David Dayan of the American Prospect summarizes, uh, with $415 billion, Biden proposes to, quote, create a national vaccination program with public centers and mobile units across the country. Ensure free vaccine delivery to all Americans, including those on Medicaid. 
expand testing to support safe reopening of schools and other facilities with $170 billion specifically for school reopening and emergency relief, and fund a 100,000-strong public health job corps for vaccine outreach and contact tracing, expand health services to vulnerable populations as well, and congregate settings, invest in treatments and other supplies, and add 14 weeks of paid sick family and medical leave, end quote. Ooh, a lot there on the medical front. Honestly, hard to argue with much of that. If nothing else, at least it's comprehensive rather than just a patchwork we've gotten so far. But the fact we're only getting to this point of talking about comprehensive solutions after tens and tens of thousands of people have died is is bleak, I have to say, and cold comfort for many, no doubt. Biden will also boost unemployment insurance, again, extending emergency benefits till September and increasing the amount to $400 extra. That's still below the $600 extra of the CARES Act that ensured 100% replacement of wages. So many people who have lost their jobs will undoubtedly still be struggling with significantly reduced income under Biden's proposal. There's a proposal for $350 million in state and local aid in Biden's plan. And that's about, well, depending on the numbers you look at, it's below the numbers we've seen regarding the tax and revenue hole, maybe about $100 billion below from some of the numbers I've seen, uh, the tax and revenue hole being faced by these states and localities. That means, and this is very important, that public sector job cuts and cuts to social programs are very much still in the picture. Uh, the Biden plan would allegedly extend a 15% increase in food stamp payments until September and add $3 billion to WIC. Certainly very welcome measure there. Also adds $40 billion to help child care centers stay open. Notably, it includes a major bait and switch on the $2,000 checks, saying that instead of actually giving you a $2,000 check, they're going to give you a $1,400 check. But since you allegedly already got $600, I don't know, I haven't gotten mine yet, that it'll all add up to $2,000. So it's like we gave you a $2,000 check. So not doing what he said he was going to do, but pretending that he is. Um, also, it's very, it, it, the proposal includes some Quite frankly, hard to understand extensions of the child tax credit and earned income tax credit. Not only, be, not because these are, aren't good, uh, although they're very ineffective. You could do the same thing in much more effective ways. But for that reason, it won't do as much. I mean, one, you won't see some of this until 2022. Two, people often don't sign up or even apply for these tax credits. So not everyone gets it. And in terms of the actual sort of means testing impact, the poorest 9% of children will receive essentially nothing from these tax credit programs. So there's all sorts of holes in this tax credit program that is just in any way, shape, or form not the most effective way to get help to families, to get help to children, and to get help to low-income workers. So the whole thing clearly is a mixed bag. And it's also, you know, will it be enough? It's hard to say. I mean, at least one analysis I've seen uh, has said that without about 3 to $4 trillion in stimulus, you won't be able to get the economy really going again. So with that assumption, you would assume, you, you just have to, take except here that this plan starts out below the need and assures or assumes rather that there's no way to pass a bill that can actually meet the scale of the problem, which you have to say is a pretty stunning statement when you say, well, here's the problem, here's the scale of the problem, but there's really nothing we could do about it. So we'll do half of what we need to do and not enough. I mean, <laughs> that's where we are with capitalism. And it's also worth noting here that this all has to get hashed out in Congress. Now, technically, you might be thinking, well, can't the Democrats do whatever they want? Of course, but they have to all agree. And some conservative Democrats have already 
push back on some of this. Joe Manchin, that's a name you should watch, has pushed back on some of this. And of course, not a single Republican as of now would sign on to anything like this. And Biden says he wants Republicans to sign on to his stimulus package. So ultimately, the bill is already set to be watered down. So it's already not enough. It's almost certainly going to be watered down. So, you know, take the good things with a grain of salt because they might not be there when it actually gets to the time of the bill being signed. So if you think that's ridiculous and you want to see more done for working class people, you're going to have to fight for it. When it comes to the economy, the Financial Times had a front page story today that makes it look like things are growing great, but I saw it and it caught my eye because from my vantage point, it seems to reflect something that we've been telling you about for a while here now on The Punch Out, and that's that a bailout for big banks and corporations is definitely coming, probably sooner than you know it, and, the government's own, and that the government's own actions are a signal to this. Now, the piece is titled, quote, U.S. banks release billions from reserves in anticipation of lower COVID losses. And the story goes on to note how J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo have released a total of more than $5 billion of pandemic-era loan loss reserves and what the Financial Times calls a sign of their optimism for the economic outlook. And, you know, that sounds good, right? I mean, loan loss reserves. That means that this is money they were holding back because they thought some of the loans might go bad and they need to cover them. So if they need less of that money, that means that things are, must be getting better, right? If they're expecting fewer, their loan, fewer of their loans to go bad. Now, I'll say that it sounds good, but there's much more than meets the eye here, mainly because despite the constant statements from both banks and the Fed that everything is fine, everything is all good, when you really look at how the Fed has been signaling, it's obvious that they have been trying to get banks to lend out more of their reserves in a wink and a nod, we'll bail you out sort of way. For instance, we reported to you that before the Pandemic even started, the Fed was already pumping trillions of dollars into a major loan market, the repo market, since the fall of 2019. And on that score, they had already told banks to consider quote unquote discount window access in their own stress test. In other words, don't worry about holding too much money in reserve if you can lend it out, because if it goes bad, you can always come to the Fed for a handout. That's what the discount window is. It's where a bank goes to borrow money from the government. Now, the Fed has been encouraging lending, of course, during the pandemic, and they noted in a statement about pandemic-related lending that they, quote, support banking organizations that choose to use their capital and liquidity buffers to lend and undertake other supportive actions in a safe and sound manner. The agencies expect banking organizations to continue to manage their capital actions and liquidity risk prudently, end quote. All sorts of hedge words there, but at the end of the day, what they're basically saying is lend out more of your reserve cash if it could potentially help improve the economy. And they're also saying, well, hey, don't do anything too crazy. But if they do, however, do something crazy or a bet that just looks good goes bad because the economy is worse than expected, where do you think those banks are going to turn? Clearly the Fed. And what are they going to say? You told us to do it. Alex Varoud is the chief investment officer at Insight Investment, told the Financial Times in another story about how the economy uh, is not that great, uh, that he said that the Fed has created an expectation of a bailout. Quote, it almost doesn't matter what other indicators of debt or leverage show. If you think about it, it is insane. It's exactly what critics would say capitalism has created, but it's the reality. So there it is, right from the horse's mouth, the chief investment officer telling the Financial Times that, yeah, we're all expecting them to bail us out. It doesn't really make a lot of sense when you look at the state of the economy, but that's just how it is. It seems very unlikely to me, considering all that, that these banks are releasing the money because they're so confident things won't go bad, but because the Fed keeps sending signals that it prefers them to keep lending, even if it leads to risk that even these banks 
that take extraordinary risk would not normally take, which implies the Fed will cover the cost. Now, already the Federal Reserve has stated they aren't expecting big economic growth this year, that they're worried about the outlook and the overhang of the pandemic. Yet here we have big banks saying, ah, won't be that bad. Something doesn't really add up here, and it seems like we are probably going to be the ones left making up the difference. Uganda's hotly contested election has come to an end here. The votes are still being counted. Opposition candidate Bobby Wine is claiming victory while the ruling party and President Yari Museveni are claiming that's false, demanding that Wine prove his claims, which include fraud. They say they're planning to re release the results on Saturday. Wine is saying when they restart the internet, they've shut the internet down, he'll release videos of fraud. Now, Bobby Wine has also reported this morning his house is currently surrounded by the military. The government is saying that these soldiers are there for his protection. Oh, different narratives there for sure. Museveni has led the country since 1986. Bobby Wine has captured a strong wave of youth support, frustrated with the lack of opportunity and progress in the East African nation under his leadership. That's Museveni's leadership. The election caught the eye of the world as Wine was routinely harassed and arrested and also produced some theatrical-like escapes from security forces throughout the campaign. Wine is somewhat cagey about his actual policies, and while promising major change, it isn't exactly clear how much uh, of that would be policy and substance over just a obviously very different generational and stylistic approach. Museveni has presided over what, you know, you could certainly say is not the worst economy in Africa, but it's certainly not one mainly focused on people-centered development, that's for sure. Wine seems to have clearly won over the trust of many young people who flocked to his banner, so it is certainly at least plausible that he did win. Wine struggle is reflective of the continent writ large, the world's youngest continent, where younger generations are chafing at the bit to overcome the legacies of neocolonialism that have left them widely impoverished and without opportunity, without much opportunity. And that's certainly not only understandable, but deeply justified. We've seen mass protest movements over the past five or six years everywhere from Guinea to the DRC to Sudan to Ethiopia to South Africa that all speak to this phenomenon. And there's all sorts of contradictions around these movements and some of their leaders, but it's clear that a new era of liberation struggle is starting to form up and that young people are increasingly and unwilling to are increasingly unwilling to be denied or dismissed. They want to see change in their countries. They want to see change on the continent. Now, whether they'll get it in Uganda or anywhere else is, is certainly an open question, but I don't think that this phenomenon of mass used uprisings on the streets and at the ballot box can just be ignored. And that's going to do it for us here today on the Punch-Out Friday, the 15th of January, 2021. We're normally here with you Monday through Friday. Next week, we'll be with you Tuesday through Friday. We will be honoring the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. birthday holiday, as it were. So we won't be here with you on Monday on the Punch-Out. We'll be back with you on Tuesday, and we'll be very happy to be with you at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.